Welcome to uh, New Beginnings. Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, real quickly, I want you to, you know, I want you to be comfortable. This isn't a 20-week series. I know you keep seeing like part one, part five. Probably like, how long are we going to go? We have one more week to go after this. We are in part five of a series called Joseph. I'm telling you, I could spend more time. There is actually more written on the life of Joseph than there is most of the characters of the entire Old Testament. There's a ton written about this gentleman's life. And so if you haven't been here, go watch online. You can catch all the way up to where we're at today. It's probably too much to recap at this point in time, but I'm excited because now the story kind of begins to change. It begins to take on a different shape. And so Joseph encounters a test that we will look at today that is so unlike and is very much just the opposite of everything that he has faced up until this point in time. He has gone through incredible rejection. He's been thrown in the pit by his brothers, sold into slavery. Uh, He becomes a servant and does really well, but then he's lied about and thrown in prison. Uh, he, He does really, really well in prison and he makes some new friends and he thinks, man, these people are going to get me out of there. They're going to help me. And they completely forget about him. And so at this point in time, how I many know you would have probably just quit by now. I probably would have just given up. We'd have probably been like, you know, what? I'm just going to die in this prison. But Joseph, Bible says he stuck there for so long. But eventually God does something incredible. And what you'll see is, is by the end of the story that we read today is that Joseph went from being in a prison to being basically the prime minister of the most powerful country in the world in a very, very, very short period of time. And so the test that he faces today is simply this is what we will call the power test. It's the test that says, what do you do when you finally get power, influence, authority, wealth, whatever it is that, that God, if God has put in your heart to do some great things and to achieve some great things, What do you do when you get there? Some of you have those dreams and desires just like Joseph had. The dreams of greatness, things that you felt like God put into your heart that you wanted to achieve and accomplish. But what do you do when you actually get those things? What do you do when you get there? Because there's an incredible temptation. Many times we think of just the pain. Like how do you overcome the pain? How do you overcome the rejection? And what God would warn us against today is this. What do you do when you actually get the power? Because how many know like even in our current society right now, there's a little bit of a fear of power, isn't there? There's a little bit like, uh, we're, don't you look at people in power with some skepticism? Don't you look at people in power and you're like, yeah, what did he do to get there? Yeah, I bet they did this, or I bet they're up to no good. And there's a conspiracy theory for everything. And so as a matter of fact, there's that famous quote that says power corrupts and absolute power corrupts what? Absolutely. It does. So power. So many times we look at power as an evil thing or many of us, especially if you come from a lower income family, you look at people with wealth, with skepticism and you wonder what they did. And so there's a there's there's that fear that gets inside of us when it comes to power. But the Bible actually says something a little bit different about power. As, as a matter of fact, listen to what it says in Genesis concerning power. This is the one of the very first things that God says to Adam and Eve, the very first people recorded. You ready? It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them both. And then God blessed them. And this is what he said. He goes, go be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say, yay. So, fill, <laughs> some of y'all got that. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have what? Dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the very first thing that God says is, hey, look, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, oh, dominate. You know, you feel like, a, you know, like, a, like a football coach, you know, I want you to go out there and dominate out there today, oh boys. Okay. So it, what it meant was is that you are the supreme beings on earth and you are not to be ruled over by the monkeys or the ants or any other. You're, you're it. You're the apex of my creation. You're at the top. 
And so I know there's some big animals out there that are kind of see, but you, you'll figure it out. And so you are to have dominion, power and authority. So let me ask you this. Is power bad? No, it's, it's not bad. It's just, it just is what it is. Now, we know that some people do bad things with power. Um, when we, when we th- I, and you notice this starts at an early age, too. I was watching my daughter the other day. If you ever have little kids and you watch them play with their toys, have you ever seen a little kid dominate their toys? So, yeah, you see, it's like I've got this little girl named Caitlin who's four years old. She's got beautiful brown eyes, just like her daddy. And, uh, and this, it, she's, she's adorable. And she plays in the bathtub, and she has the most biggest imagination of any of my kids. And she'll role play with these things. And these things, she literally will have my little pony and a Star Wars trooper from my son, and they will interact together. But what you will see is, is you will see my daughter dominate the toys. Like sometimes, like she'll be playing with these little like fairy dolls. And be like, no, you've been bad, and I'm going to give you a spanking. And so you can just see, like, even in the uh, heart of a four-year-old, sometimes, like, because you, when you're the youngest. You feel like, God, everybody tells me what to do. My older sister, my older brother, my parents. So you got this little one at the bottom of the food chain in the bottom of the pecking order. She's like, I'm going to dominate somebody. The Lord has given me dominion. Take that, star trooper. So so we, we all have this thing in us where we, we, we like the idea of power and authority influence. Because how many know that's better than being underneath bad power and authority it's just it's just a better reality and so again joseph's test it's changed and this is the real power test if you're taking notes the power test is this is can you learn to be a good steward of your god-given power authority and influence now some of you immediately thought i ain't got none and that's not true you do have some now some of you have more than others because depending on where you're at in life or what you do or how that goes but like some of you are dads you have influence your moms you have incredible influence you have you have uh, I've seen this. Uh, we have a dog. I, I'm, a, I'm a new dog owner. I don't know that I'm totally happy about that, but I am a new dog owner. And my kids even, like, my son is responsible for the dog. You know what I mean? He has power and dominion over the dog. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, what do you do? How do you treat the dog? How do you take care of the, how well do you manage the authority that God's given you over little Marley? What do you do there? Many of you are bosses, your managers, your, your owners, you have realms of influence. My question would be this, what do you do? How well do you steward the God given power and authority and influence that you've given? Because the reality is that there is a clear temptation and the temptation with power is always rooted in arrogance somehow. If you notice how people corrupt power, it almost always, if you dig down deep enough, is rooted in arrogance. There's something in them that said, well, well no. I mean, this is like, for instance, like this is my power and influence. It, I, look what I did to get here. Look how I got here. Many of them abuse power because they want more power. And so they hoard power because, I mean, there's that, there's that old saying that like people with no money and no power, you know what they want? Money and power. But you know what people with money and power want? More money and more power. Like, so everybody wants money and power. And so that's, that's what we go for. And when we have that arrogant mentality that says it's about me and I want more for me. Or I got here to achieve this for me. Or many times Christians do this. And we don't do it on purpose. We would never set out to have this in our heart. But what we do is this. We really get some level of success. We really get some level of comfortability in our finances. And we just kind of forget about God. We become very, very independent. Like when we were desperate, when we were broke, when we were in debt, we didn't have nothing, we would pray. Now you got everything. Don't really pray anymore. You're like, God, I got this now. I'm good. I know you kind of helped me out a little bit. 
But now I got the ball rolling and I'm good. I don't need you as much anymore now. Really? But if that creeps into our heart, that lets you know that you are beginning to abuse power. Some people just take a power and abuse it in a, in a harsh way where they punish other people. Don't they? We see this all around the world with, with people who have power and they just absolutely take advantage of the poor. They take advantage of the weak. They hurt other people. As a matter of fact, there's a story that Jesus tells where there's a gentleman. It's, it's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And it, it, I think the editors put that in there. It wasn't what Jesus, Jesus didn't start off saying, I'm going to teach you today the parable. He didn't do that. He just starts telling, let me tell you a story. But in his story, it's about a guy who owes a lot of money and he's forgiven of his debt completely. But then when he finds a a guy who owes him just a little bit of money, he refuses to forgive the guy. And this is what the parable is, is considered to be about forgiveness. But when you look a level deeper, what you find is this guy has not just a forgiveness issue. This guy has a power issue. Because the Bible says that when he takes his, his, his buddy that owes him just a little bit of money, that he literally grabs him and chokes him and threatens him. This guy does not forget. It's a power issue. What do you do when you have leverage over people? Sometimes we do this emotionally where we, t- we have emotional power and we leverage against people and we, we guilt them or resent them or shame them or punish them. What do you do when you actually get where you wanted to go in life? That's what we're going to look at today in the life of Joseph. So if you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 41 and we're going to read how Joseph actually experiences the power test. Are you ready? The Bible says... When two full years had passed, now that's referring to the two years that he was stuck there that his friends forgot about him. So when he thought he was going to get out because of his friends, two more years in prison. In the morning, the Bible says, I'm sorry, it says, and Pharaoh had a dream. In verse 8 it says that in the morning, Pharaoh's mind was troubled. And so he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, uh, oh my gosh, I totally forgot something. Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. He's reminded of when he got stuck in prison. He's reminded when he ran into a guy who has an incredible gift to do what? Interpret dreams. So the cupbearer said, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. And Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his, I told you Joseph had a beard. I wasn't lying when I told you that Joseph was rocking a beard, but it was a prison beard. So it's kind of gangly, I think. Um, and then, you know, so if you ever don't have a gangly beard, you know, what I'm saying. Duck dynasties, no. And if you get invited to go meet the president, shave. OK, so and change your clothes, too. So anyway, Joseph shaves, changes his clothes because he's in Moroccan prison garb for two Actually, a lot longer than that. And he came before Pharaoh. Now, this is the dream that Pharaoh had. If you you remember the story, Pharaoh has this dream where he sees wheat and crops. One's living, one's dying. He sees cows and cows are sick. Cows are eating. It's a crazy dream. Here's the interpretation of the dream. I'm just going to tell you what the interpretation is. Ready? You're going to have seven years of incredible abundance. Like stock market's going to be hitting record numbers. I mean, everybody's going to have these huge profits. Everybody's going to be just hand over fist, raking in lots of money. It's going to be really, really good. But after that, you're going to have seven years of incredible and severe famine. And so Joseph goes on to interpret this dream. And not only that, he kind of slips in. And if I were you, what I would do is, and he begins, he begins to give the guy a plan for how they should go about preparing for the seven years of abundance and the seven years of incredible famine. And so that's the dream. That's the interaction between Joseph 
and Pharaoh. And notice this. Let's keep reading. The Bible says in verse 37 that the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the spirit of God? Now, I want you to recognize this. We've talked about this in the, in the previous sessions and about Joseph's life. Joseph had the favor of God on his life because God was with him. God was with him because of his constant faithfulness and obedience. And because of God's favor on his life, Joseph was able to do and achieve all these incredible things. But don't get it twisted. Where did that come from? And you got to remember three different people who don't even believe in God. You got to remember it started with uh, Potiphar, his first boss and master. He was an Egyptian idol worshiper, but he's like, man, God is all over your life. Then he goes to the prison, and the prison, the guy who runs the prison looks at him and says, man, I'm going to have you just take charge and run underneath my authority here because God, the prison guy says God is all over your life. And then he gets before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says what? God is all over your life. This is the key to success, people, is the favor and the presence of God being all over your life, and it is unlocked through faithfulness and obedience to God. Let's keep going, though. So the Bible says this. Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. That's some power. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and the people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Now that's legit, isn't it? Like that's, like you get, that's when you get the hookup. Like when Pharaoh comes, it's like, hold on, shing, and he doesn't make you kiss it, he gives it to you. That's some legitimate, but that, that, that means he had the king's authority on all things except the king. Does that make sense? Like whatever he put the stamp on, it was going to get done. That represented the power that Joseph was going to get. Now, what else did Pharaoh give him? Pharaoh gave him fine linen. You know why? Because it is hot in Egypt. You know what I'm saying? You want that cool, flowy garment, some fine linen. And then you get that gold chain. You get the Mr. T startup kit. To let everybody know that you're a baller. And this is represent. <laughs> okay. Well, it really did represent. That was too much. It represented the riches that Joseph would have. And then not only that. Then you have. In essence. Joseph says. Or Pharaoh says. Here. Take a chariot. You get to ride with me. And all the people will be shouting. Bow the knee. Again. He, he's given power. He's given riches. He's given authority. This is pretty Incredible. This is the power test. This is what Joseph went through hell to finally get to. This is what God was doing all those years that he was waiting, molding his character, making sure that he had the ability to one day handle this type of success. Because many of you pray you want to reach incredible levels of success or God to give you certain things in your life. Here's what you need to know. God knows all things. And if he looks at your life and he says, man, if I answered that prayer, you would end up walking away from me. Or if I answered that prayer, you, your, your family would fall, fall apart. Or if, if, I, if I did that, you'd end up messing up your life. Now, if God is a good, loving, heavenly father, would he give you those things? Okay, you got quiet up in here. Y'all are like, but I don't want to say nothing because then God won't give it to me. 
Would God give you something if he knew that it would hurt you? No, why? Because God, look, do you give your kids uh, handguns and machetes? Why? Because you're smart. My four-year-old does not, is she not packing heat? She doesn't have a switchblade? Why? Because she's four, and if she had it now, she wouldn't be able to handle it now. Now, one day, pack heat, I don't care. But when you're ready... You got your concealed weapons permit. You've had some training courses and you actually know how to shoot the thing. So, hey, that's what I want. When you're ready, when you're responsible, when you're maturity, when your character can handle it, that's when God can finally give it to you. And this is now the power test is can you actually now hold, will your character hold up underneath the weight of this level? Because this isn't just like a little bit, this isn't your, the power over the puppy. This is not the power over the stormtrooper. This is power. Over the largest and most powerful nation at this point in history. That's some incredible power. Which means it's going to take some incredible character for you to get there. But you need to know this. Power's not bad. Power can be good. As a matter of fact, you know the Bible in the, in the book of Proverbs says this. It says that when the righteous are in charge or when the righteous lead, the people rejoice. But when the, when the wicked rule, everybody groans and moans. So like God's saying, no, 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 power's not bad. I actually want righteous people in positions of authority, influence. And power. That's a good thing. As a matter of fact, listen to the scripture real quick here. Psalm 62, verse 11. I'm telling you, all power comes from God. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. We won't read the other one, but this one we will. Power belongs to you, God. So where does power come from? Paul said the same thing. He said, all authorities are established by God. That's why I want you to always obey authorities in your life because those are authorities established by God. And when you obey the authority, you're actually obeying God. Like that's why it's important. Put your seatbelt on. Obey the laws of the land. I'm not, I'm not great at that. But anyway, I try really hard. And so, so power comes from God. One of, the, one of the best examples of this is when Jesus has an interaction with Pilate. The Bible says that, that Pilate comes into Jerusalem during the feast season, riding on a war horse with a bunch of troops at his back, ready to have what? Power and dominion authority over the Jewish people so they wouldn't revolt and, and have an uprising. And during the chaos, this is when the Pharisees throw Jesus before the court. They, they basically have a mock trial. They accuse him of a bunch of stuff he didn't do. And they put him before Pilate. This is the interaction. When Pilate starts to question Jesus, Jesus doesn't even, he's like, he's like I'm going to die, just... Get on with it. But this is his answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, says Pilate? Don't you realize that I have what? Power. I could free you. I could crucify. I've got the power. I've got the power. Jesus answered and said, no, I mean, not really, you don't. Actually, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So, so Jesus is just saying like this. I know you think you're the governor and Caesar backs you and you got all the truth. I, I know. I, 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 have, I have a legion of angels here. And just, but you need to know all power comes from God. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a really, really good thing. But that then begs the biggest question of all. If power can be good and God gives us power and God even says in Genesis that he wants us to have dominion on earth... How do I get power? Isn't that the big question? Do you want me to talk about how not to get power? How many of y'all want to achieve and see great things in your life? Real quick, let's raise your hands real quick. I need to know you're with me. How many, okay, good. So, so how do I get power? 
Okay, here's the answer. It's a paradox. The Bible is full of paradox. The way that we normally think about the world is flipped upside down when it comes to God because God's different than everybody else, right? So like God says, God says, if you want life, you need to die. You're like, that makes no sense. Yes, it does. Trust me. And he goes on to explain a number. He goes, if you really, really want to gain life, you must lose your life. If you want to live, you must die. He goes this. If you really want to receive in life, you know what you need to do? You need to, you need to give. Yeah, yeah. So like whatever you think, because most of us think well, if I want to have more, I need to like get more and keep more and hoard more. Because then I'll have what? More. And God's like, nah, that's not how that works. You guys, you guys upside down. You need to give more. That's how you receive more. If you, if you, and the, 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 here, here's how it works with power and authority. The paradox of power and authority is, is, is very much the same way. If you want to have authority, you actually need to get under authority. That's how you have authority. Jesus has this whole dynamic with this, this Roman centurion guard who, who has this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm impressed. More than all the other Jewish people, you understand faith because you understand the principle of authority. And because you're under authority, you know how all this works. And so since I'm underneath the authority of God and sickness is underneath my authority, I can just tell it what to do and it has to obey. Because you get that, you've got incredible insight. And he understood that because you're under authority, you can be in authority. That's how you get power. Let's keep going with this idea here. Peter says it like this. Peter says... In the same way, you who are younger, I want you to submit yourself to your elders. And all of you, as old people and young people, all of you, clothe yourselves with what? Humility towards one another because God resists or opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under, the, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So this is what he says to young people. He says, you want to you you achieve in life? You want to go places in life? Submit. Get underneath authority. As a matter of fact, you want any success in life? Humble yourself. And I find that incredibly, like, there's a tension there. Because many, many times, like, we pray, God, please humble me. I don't even know that. I should take that back. None of y'all pray that prayer. Everybody's afraid to pray that prayer. You know why? Because you're like, if I pray for God to humble me, God is going to do something really bad. And I don't want that. And it's true. So, so you know what Peter says? Because don't even, he doesn't say pray for humility, does he? He just says do it yourself. Why? Because if you wait too long and you need God to do it for you, you're not going to like that version. Because God's version might include brokenness. And that's not always bad. Some of us need that. Have you ever seen people that went through life and were so arrogant and figured it out of themselves? And I got this and I got this. And what did they do? They jacked up their lives until they hit the bottom of the barrel and then they figured out they needed God. So your choice was do it yourself. And eventually God shows brokenness for you. Right? Now, how many of you want that? Like, that's why, okay, where do I sign up for that? I want brokenness. God, break, break. No, no, no. So what Peter's, Peter's prescription is this. Just do it yourself. Humble yourself. Like, choose to put, put yourself in a position of humility. Humble yourself. When we, and here's, here's what we do it. When we humble ourselves, this is, it really comes from our pursuit and our relationship of knowing God. That's where it really comes from. You know how, how do you do it yourself? It's not go humiliate yourself. That's not what it is. It's as you know God more and more and more, God becomes bigger and you become smaller. What is the greatest temptation of power? It was all rooted in arrogance. What's the way that you get and gain true power? Through the opposite, because it's a paradox. You get it through Humility. And the way that you gain humility if you do it on your own is as you draw closer to God. You cannot be close to God and think you're the best. 
You cannot draw close to God and think, I'm the man, except for that of which God has claimed over me. Does that make sense? You, you can't be close to God and think it's always all about you because God's always saying, actually, it's about me. And then it's actually about everybody around you and other people. And, and then later it'll be about you. But this, that's just not how the way it works with God. And so as you draw closer to God, you get smaller. He gets bigger. And that's a healthy perspective. Remember this humility. Humility is an attractive thing, isn't it? Have you ever met somebody who was arrogant and thought, wow, they are the greatest. I love hanging out with them. Ever thought that? No, of course not. They're, they're irritating. They're obnoxious. They talk too much. And when they talk, it's always about them. They think they know more. They think they're better than. They're always one-upping somebody else. They're the most frustrating people in the world to be around. C.S. Lewis said the opposite about humility. And it was, it was fascinating. His take on humility was, was this. It was that if you ever met a truly humble person, you wouldn't even think them to be humble. Actually, you would find them to be very the, most, the, the person most interested in you. Because they would sit back and just want to know more about you and be interested in you. And so you wouldn't walk away thinking, wow, what a humble person. You would just think, wow, they really thought a lot about me and they cared a lot about me. Because humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. That's what humility really is. That's attractive, isn't it? Like when you're in a social environment and you can love other people, encourage other people, build other people up, be interested in other people. You know what you are? You're an easy to like person. But when you get into a social environment... And everybody, because you ever done this before? Like you're talking about something and then all of a sudden you, you got like, you're talking about your car. Oh, well, guess what I got? And they one up you because they have a cooler car. Or you talk about your vacation and what do they do? They jump in and be like, oh yeah, well, I, I went to here and they one up you. You're like, holy cow, I can't even, I can't win at anything here apparently. It's like there's a competition I didn't even know what's going on and I keep losing because this guy has to one up me. Why? Because it's always about him. Arrogance is always ugly and humility is attractive. This is what God wants you to do and how he wants you to live in life. He wants you to, let's, let's keep going. Listen to this. This is how we know that Joseph passes this test. Genesis 41 verse 15, the Bible says this. Pharaoh says to Joseph, well, I had this dream and nobody can interpret it. Like the best in the world couldn't do this. That's what he's in essence saying. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And look at what Joseph's reply is. He goes, well, I don't really. It's not me. I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Like that was his shot, wasn't it? Joseph, the brightest minds in all of Egypt can't figure this out. He's like, I got this. No, no, no. He goes, eh, this isn't my gig. This is God's gift. This is what he does. This is how God does it. It's all about God. And he defers, doesn't he? This is how we know that he passes that test. Because before, in previous chapters, we just talked about this, is that it appears that Joseph might have been battling self-sufficiency, making it all about him. He was broken completely, though, wasn't he? He had gotten so humble, so aware that he was small and that God was big, and it was always about a bigger, a bigger end goal, a bigger end, end result. There was something bigger going on than just him getting to power. And you're going to see that in just a second. There was something bigger in play. And he finally realized that. And when he given the opportunity to take all the credit, he doesn't. He gives God all the credit. So here's the final question that we'll discuss today. What's the purpose then? What was the purpose of God giving Joseph all this power? 
When he was 17 years old, he was not told why he had the dream. He just was given the dream. And it was this dream of greatness. He was standing, everybody else was bowing. That's a great dream when you're 17 years old. But if you don't know why God gives you the dream and you become self-sufficient, you become arrogant, you think, well, I'm really smart, I'm handsome, and I'm good looking, and look at what all I've done. And he goes, this is an incredible journey where God develops his character, God develops his management skills, his leadership skills, he develops his humility, he puts him into the worst environment to see can he persevere and he just keeps passing the test he's got a beautiful woman just thrown at him who's not his wife he passes the test this is a guy who finally got to a point where he said you know what that guy's ready joseph's ready now if i throw this power at him if i throw him the ring if i throw him the chariot if i throw him the nice linen and the gold chain he's ready my question is this are, are you ready What is in your heart that may need to be removed? Because if there's any self-sufficiency, if there's any arrogance about you, then you're not ready. If there's any character cracks that could just absolutely make your life crumble, because with power comes weight. It's a heavy thing to have lots of power. It's a heavy thing to have so many people right underneath your influence that if you did this or if you did that, it would affect large amounts. of That's a heaviness. There's a weight. Can your character withstand that? Here's the purpose of power. Acts chapter 10, and we're going to begin to wrap this up here. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. And he went out doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, who does that sound like? It sounds like Joseph all over again. It's like God was with him. But what did he use his power for? To help people, to heal, and to deliver. You know what the purpose of power is? It's always to elevate other people. And if your life is not elevating other people now, you have to wrestle with this question. Why would God give you more then? If with the power and influence and authority that you have now, you don't leverage it to help other people, why would God give you more? That's a tough question to ask. But this is where we need... You've got to remember, why did God give Joseph the dream? He didn't understand it. He didn't know what it would mean. He had no idea Egypt would be involved. He had no idea that there was a future family. He just knew God was going to do something great in him and through him. And he goes through hell and his his character and his humility. All these things are tested. But he gets to this final position where he finally reaches the pinnacle of God's dream. This he got. I got the ring. I got. The, I got everything. I got all the power. Why? Because Joseph, like I can't get you here. Literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people will die of starvation. That's why I needed you here. I needed a man at the top who could handle it and do the right thing by other people. Why was Joseph put in that position? So he could save the known world. At that time, I mean, that part of the world would have been wiped out by incredible seven years of famine. When you see other places in the Bible where famine happens, literally people start killing each other. People start just doing most corrupt things in the world. Joseph saved the known world at the time. God put him in that position for that reason. Last scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 8. God gives us this reminder. He gave it to his people a long time ago. And this is what it says. It says, you may say to yourself one day, well, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the power to gain wealth and so confirm his covenant. You say, hey, look, you're going to be tempted to think that it was about you. You're going to be tempted to hoard power. You're going to be tempted to make it more about you and to get more and to want more. But never, ever, ever forget this, that all the power to get what you got today, it came from God. 
you would be a fool to think anything else. The old saying is that if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, know that he did not get there by himself. You are the turtle. Last quote, and we'll wrap up right here. Power is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it comes from God when he sees that, the, that we are humble enough to handle it. I'm telling you, God wants to put you in positions of power and authority. He does. I want you to be ready for that. Though. I want your character to be able to handle it. I want your humility to be able to handle it because God wants to do great. And I'm telling you, I want you to be in positions of power and authority. Because the Bible says that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, when the wicked rule everybody's mumbling. I want you in positions of power and influence of authority. God wants you, but he wants your humility and your character to be able to handle it. How many of you have a dream that you want God to do something great in your life? It could be a marriage. It could be for your kids. It could be for your job and your career. We all hopefully have dreams in our heart. And I'm telling you, God wants to see you accomplish and see and live out those dreams. But it only comes when we're really, really ready to pass these tests. What will you do with the, the, the test of power? Let's pray this morning. So, Father, as we look at the life of Joseph, God, we pray that we would be as faithful and as diligent as him, that, God, we would stay focused on our character and our humility, that we just stay in the process of you molding us and shaping us, God, that we wouldn't quit, we wouldn't give up. We'd hang in there so that one day, God, we could handle incredible influence, incredible authority. God, I pray that you would help strengthen our character, Lord God. Help us to humble ourselves, and if so be, God, humble us. Even if it comes through brokenness, God, humble us so that we can one day handle the great things, the good things, the amazing things that you have in store for us. Father, we pray that you would do the miraculous. God, let us walk out of this place and let this be more than a sermon, God. Let this be something that we chew on, that we wrestle with, Lord God, that we walk out on Monday through Saturday, God. Help us, Lord. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?